This is Anne Mary Mullane of Sunday to Sunday Productions with another episode of The Witness Podcast. About one month ago, I was recently returned from a mini getaway to the city of Boston. It was early October and I had decided to forgo my annual retreat and use my vacation instead to spend some significant time in a city that has meant so much to me. Unfortunately, the trip was cut short soon after it had begun. I came down with COVID and so returned home early where I was nursing what was really no more than a mild cold. I had the news on the TV and it was 24 seven coverage of the war that had recently broken out between Israel and Hamas in Gaza. As I continue to hear of the atrocities and the situation of hostages and the loss of life, I have to ponder, where does this all come from really? How far back? Where is truth? Where is God? This latest episode caused me to recall my own trip to Israel in 1994, almost 30 years ago. I was graduating from theology school and asked my mother to give me the trip as a graduation present. I went with a group of women, some from my parish and some women religious. The trip was entitled A Pilgrimage to the Holy Land. Our guide was Sister Eileen Story, a sister of charity. She was a teacher and a peace activist. I was surprised to see how much more the land of Israel seemed Palestinian rather than Jewish. We visited a co-op run by Christian Palestinian women. I still have some of the crafts I bought that day. I also wanted to indulge my desire to have a drink in the fanciest hotel lobby bar in Jerusalem. So one night, me and a few companions took a taxi to the King David Hotel and did just that. Sister Eileen heard about our little expedition later, and she was not happy with us. I also accompanied Sister Eileen along with two others from our group on a city bus to the town of Hebron. All the stores were closed as the town was shuttered because of the recent massacre that had taken place at the tomb of the patriarchs. We approached the sacred site, sacred to both Jews and Muslims, and an Israeli officer surrounded by two soldiers approached Sister Eileen. I and our companions stood next to her. The soldiers were heavily, heavily armed, but very gracious. Sister Eileen was an elderly woman who carried a distinct air of authority and goodwill. Understandably, we were not allowed to enter the site. One of our number, who was then working at the parish, bought some glass goblets to use during Mass. Hebron was famous 
for its hand-blown glass. But there is one outing, one afternoon, one experience that remains alive for me up to this very moment. On our Friday afternoon in Jerusalem, we were going to join the Franciscans on the Via Dolorosa, that is, the way of the cross that Jesus walked on the road to Calvary. We were staying just outside one of the gates of the old city. As we walked to the starting point through the old and very narrow streets lined by the tiny stalls of Palestinian shops selling all kinds of wares, we were jammed together in a pedestrian bottleneck of sorts. We moved very slowly. The Muslim population were returning from the mosque that sits on top of the Temple Mount where they had their Sabbath services on this Friday afternoon. We had visited the Temple Mount earlier on our trip. We were able to enter one of the mosques that is reserved for visitors, and I assume non-Muslims. I was leading our prayer that day. On the level just below where the mosque stood, I opened my Bible to read about the building of the temple millennium ago. A Palestinian watcher or guard came over to me and gestured for me to stop reading. I wasn't sure at first what he was communicating. I tried a second time to read, and again he came over and told me to stop. This time I got it. I stopped reading, but I was very surprised at this action. We made our way that Friday to the first station where the Franciscans began the prayer for the Christian pilgrims. We finished the prayerful way of those stations at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, the church that tradition holds is built on the site of Jesus' crucifixion and also on the spot where the tomb where he laid is located. One of the elderly women with us became ill inside of the narrow space of the tomb. She was not sure she could make it back to the hotel unaided. As we were leaving the church, she had to lay down on a bench by the entrance. An Israeli officer appeared out of nowhere and came to her help with a wet cloth and some liquid which fortified her for the long walk back. Later that day, we went to the Western Wall, also called the Wailing Wall, one of the most sacred sites in Judaism. It is the last remnant of the temple, which was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. It is part of what was the retaining wall that surrounded the temple. Jews come to this place to pray, to express their sorrows. It is the custom to write prayers on a little piece of paper and place them in the cracks of the huge stones of the wall. I had brought some pieces of paper with me, some given to me by friends. There is a divider, a short wall as one approaches the wailing wall. There is a section that is just for men and a much smaller section that is just for women. Since it was late Friday afternoon, the Jewish people of Jerusalem were preparing for their Sabbath. Women and girls were coming to the wall. 
They were dressed up the way people used to dress to go to church on Sunday. A rabbi stood near the back of the divider, away from the wall. With him stood young boys and girls stood on the other side of the divider. He was asking them questions. I saw him give a dollar to a little girl who had answered correctly. It was a delightful sight. The wall was a powerful place. That evening in our time of sharing and reflection, I commented on all the movement I saw and was part of that day. Muslims coming from Friday prayers, Christians walking towards the way of the cross, Jews going to the Wailing Wall in preparation of their Sabbath. So many people in a very small part of the world walking in a very small area of that part in order to pray, in order to be with their God, in order to hope in God, in order to express their hopes and dreams in their own traditions. How pleased I thought that God must be to see all this activity, all this difference, and all this shared faith in the one most high God all coming together. It is one of the most profound places on earth. And so in these days, I have to ask, what have we done? How to enter this space here and now as we grapple and reflect on the world yet again, the world we have created, a world set apart from the world God had in mind, our purposes so removed from God's purposes. Again, the situation calls all of us to ask, can we find our way back, back to God's purposes? back to the flourishing of life for all here on earth. I know a little bit of what came before these current days. Anti-Semitism, the hatred of the Jewish people, has been around for a long time. In more modern times, one can look back to the late 1800s all over Europe. Jewish ghettos were commonplace in major European cities, and Jewish communities were marginalized and victimized by government actions called pogroms, where, there, where the property of Jews was destroyed and they were displaced. Jewish activists, notably one Theodore Herzi, called for a homeland for Jews where they could live freely as a people and be protected from prejudice. The movement towards this goal was and is known as Zionism. This became accepted and solidified after the Nazis and World War II and concentration camps. The UN and the world came together for the birth of modern-day Israel, Tom Shepard's recent play, Leopoldstadt, brilliantly recounts this painful history, including the years before and after the Holocaust. By the end of the play, 
members of the audience are sobbing. I was sobbing. I hugged the woman sitting next to me who I didn't know, and she told me she had family members who had perished during the war. All I could say to her was, I am so sorry. When I was in Israel, I saw how the Palestinians have been treated as second-class citizens, or worse, like people of color here in the U.S. for much of our own history. I understand they have gained some footing in the past 30 years, like people of color here in the U.S. since the 1960s. Surely there is much to be done. Palestinians have legitimate issues. But let's begin with the idea on all of our parts that everyone has a right to live. That is to say, Israel and its citizens are entitled to and have a right to exist. Thank you. This is Anne Mary Mullane for Sunday to Sunday Witness from Kearney, New Jersey. Please subscribe to Sunday to Sunday and tell your friends about us. Check out our full website and other free resources at sundaytosunday.net. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.